we love to self-sabotage our launches. We really love to self-sabotage them because if we don't give it 100% of our effort, then when it doesn't go as planned or when it quote unquote fails, we can say, oh, well, I didn't give it 100% anyway, so that's okay. It doesn't matter. Whereas if we give 100% and it doesn't go to plan or it fails, then we might be a little bit, we might beat ourselves up a little bit, or we might think like, what's wrong with me? I gave it everything I have. I'm not good enough. And we create all of these different stories about what it means about us. So we self-sabotage to stay in our comfort zone. Welcome to Socialette. I'm your host, Steph Taylor. As a launch strategist and digital marketer, I've learned a lot of lessons the hard way while building a seven-figure online business. If you're an overwhelmed business owner struggling to scale while also keeping your clients happy, this podcast is for you. Join me as I share actionable advice for creating an online business that feels good and brings you so much joy. Are you on the list to get my daily biz boosters? Every day, I'll send you a bite-sized prompt that is designed to help you grow your business in a more intentional way. Sign up at stephtaylor.co slash dbb or at the link in the show notes. Hey, welcome back to Social Let. This is episode 530. Today, I'm answering all of the questions that you guys submitted when I surveyed you a couple of months ago now uh, when I surveyed my email list. And one of the questions that I love asking in any kind of survey where I'm trying to get content ideas and trying to figure out how I can best serve my audience is what questions do you have about blah? And in this case, one of the questions I asked was, what questions do you have about creating and launching a digital product. And in this case, when I'm talking about digital products, I really mean online courses, memberships, group programs, as well as some of the other ones like ebooks and templates. But in particular, I'm really looking at those courses, memberships, and programs. So I have 25 questions that I'm answering today. A couple of them were asked more than once. So I'm pretty excited to really answer some of those popular questions that keep coming up over and over again about creating and launching digital products. All right, let's jump into question one. What are the most profitable digital products and what are the most popular digital products? I like this question because I think there's quite a big misconception that people are wanting courses or people are wanting group programs or people no longer want courses or no longer want memberships. Like we look at the medium as a way of, you know, determining if something's popular or not or if it's going to sell or not rather than the actual content inside the course or the program or the membership. So the most profitable digital products in my experience, are the ones that solve a problem for a really specific group of people. They solve a specific problem for a specific group of people. And it doesn't matter so much what type of digital product it is, as long as it's the most effective way to solve that problem for that group of people. Now, for example, if you were creating a 500-page ebook Let's just humor me here. 500 pages is a lot. But if you're creating a 500 page ebook aimed at solving a problem for a group of people who are really busy and don't have time to read an ebook, 
that would not be an effective way to solve that problem. Launch Magic, my signature 12-week course, that is a course because there is a lot of content somebody needs to learn in it. I could teach it as a group program, but I'd be spending a lot of the calls with the group teaching them content rather than using the actual group nature for accountability and for support. On the flip side, I could run it as a membership, but memberships tend to work better when there is a an ongoing transformation or an ongoing problem that needs solving rather than a one-off transformation that you're delivering. Question two, how do you figure out what to start with and what is the best way to start? The best way to start is to really get clear on what problems you can solve for somebody. And this might sound really basic, but if you don't know what problem your digital product is solving, you're really going to struggle to create a product that delivers a transformation that people want to spend money on. And you're really going to struggle with communicating it in a way that makes the right people want to spend money. So start with that problem and start with the specific group of people that you are solving that problem for. Get really clear on who they are. Then start to think about, okay, how could I structure this? Is this going to work better as a course? Is it like a one-off transformation where they actually need to learn quite a bit to achieve the transformation? Is it maybe a better better as a group program? Is it something that they already know how to do, but they just need that accountability and support? That would be a really good situation to have a group program. Uh, or is it going to be a membership? Is there some kind of ongoing problem that they need solved? Is there some kind of ongoing habit that they need to build? Uh, do they need ongoing community? So pick which one is going to best deliver the solution to their problem. And then I would start launching it before you even invest any time into creating it. And I've got an episode coming out on this shortly where I'm talking about why it's such a big mistake to spend all this time creating a product before you've even launched it. And I I personally think that is where a lot of people get stuck. They spend all this time creating a product, but they haven't even tested whether there's a market for it. They haven't tested whether the messaging's right. They haven't tested any of these things. And then they put it out there into the world and nobody buys it. And then they feel a little bit like, oh, that was a waste of time. Nobody wants my product. Why did I do that? And they're left with a really bad taste in their mouth. And they, you might hear them saying things like, oh, online courses don't work. Nobody wants online courses. It's not that they don't work. It's that the process that they were following, that strategy they were following was backwards. So start launching it first. And this is, this is why Launch Magic focuses purely on the launch side rather than the product creation side, because that launch is what will make or break your product. And that launch through that launch is how you get that feedback that will shape your product, shape your messaging, grow that audience, nurture them so that when you do put your product out there and ask them to buy it, they will buy it. Okay, question three, how do you know if your idea is a good one? And this ties in beautifully with the last answer I gave. The best way to know is to launch it. Until somebody spends money on your product, until they actually buy it, we don't have full validation. You will never have 100% certainty that somebody's going to buy your product until you put it out there and ask people to buy it. You can do surveys, you can talk to people, you can get their feedback, but until they spend money for it, you don't know whether it's something that people are willing to spend money on. 
That is one of the reasons why launching it before you create it or while you create it is such a powerful way to validate it because it potentially saves you months of time creating something that people don't want. Okay, question four. How do you build an audience and warm them up effectively before you pitch your offer? This is a really great question. Okay, I the, I think the common train of thought here is that the content you need to share in the lead up to opening doors on your launch, the content needs to be snippets of what's inside your paid product. So if it's a course, you know, it's teaching little things that you teach inside the course, like giving them little teasers and then you elaborate on it in the course. I think this is a broken strategy because if somebody is not even ready to solve the problem that they have yet, hitting them with little solutions isn't going to move them closer to buying. It's actually kind of disqualifying them. For example, um, let's say that somebody wants to start a podcast and they, in their mind, they are thinking that they need to spend $1,000 on a microphone and that they just need to copy the formula of some other successful podcast and theirs will be successful as well. As long as they keep believing that, I can give them snippets of my podcasting course content. I can tell them, hey, like here's how you create a cool, unique podcast topic. Here's how you plan your content. But they are not at that point where they are even ready for those things because in their mind, they can't start podcasting until they buy that $1,000 microphone. They can't, you know, in their mind, they're also thinking like, oh, I don't need to have a unique topic. I just need to follow what the other successful podcasters are doing. And as long as they keep believing that, they're never going to be able to solve that problem. So instead, my content that would be warming them up would be sharing stuff like how they don't need a $1,000 microphone, how it's super important that their topic is unique rather than copying what's already out there. That is what moves somebody closer to buying from you than giving them snippets and teasers of what's inside your digital product. And that is what we spend in Launch Magic. That's what we spend like the first four weeks working on is getting that content so dialed in so that when somebody is in your audience, even if they're brand new, even if they're just joining your email list or just following you on social media for the first time or just listening to your podcast for the first time, wherever you are present, even if they're brand new to your universe, they are starting to get nurtured through strategically so that when you do open doors, they are ready. They understand why they need what you're selling and it becomes that natural next step for them to solve the problem that they have. Okay, question five. How good does my product need to be to launch it? How will I know if the product needs improvement or if the marketing needs improvement? Okay, if it's not selling, then your marketing needs improvement. That includes tweaking your product messaging, includes how you package it, bonuses, pricing, payment plans. All of that fits into the category of marketing. If people are buying it, on the other hand, if it is selling and the people who are buying it are not getting results, then that's a sign that the product needs improvement. And it's a big misconception that if people aren't buying your product, your product's not good enough. No, if people aren't buying your product, the way that you are communicating and positioning your product isn't good enough. That is, so marketing is what is going to drive those sales, the people buying the product, marketing and sales will drive that. 
but the actual product content is what's going to drive the results once somebody buys it. And you'll, f- you'll figure out pretty quickly where you need to make, make changes. The first iteration probably won't be good enough. And that's okay because we won't know how to make it better until we get people into the product. So you got to get people in. And then once they're in, you can see where are they asking lots of questions? Where are they getting stuck? Where might they need a bit more support, a bit more accountability? Ask them, find out, hey, where can I better serve you in this product? That is how you make a product better. And that's typically why when you're maybe first launching a course, the price that you launch it at that first time might be a little bit lower than what your end goal for the price will be. And then over time, the next time you launch it, you might increase it again. The next time you launch it, you might increase it again. As people start to get better results, as you have more testimonials, as you have better feedback and you get to improve it even more. Okay, question six. Should my product be video? If so, what setup? And in recording videos for a course, what camera is needed? What lighting is needed? This is all so much overthinking. Okay, it doesn't matter what formats, what format it's in. As long as it's the format that your students can learn in best and you know, you know the audience you're talking to, like they are your people. There is no one size fits all for every single audience. Um, they don't need to have video. Sometimes just direct to camera video is really painful. Like sometimes people need slides. Sometimes they just want to be able to listen to you without having video. Maybe they want to listen while you're walking, the, while they're walking the dog. So it doesn't need to be video. My own, my own, uh, lessons inside Launch Magic and Boost Your Brand Superfans, they were recorded. The video was recorded on my webcam and it's me talking over slides. I recorded it in Canva and that's it. Super simple, right? Um, you can record in Zoom. You can share your screen and record with your camera and slides. It doesn't need to be direct the camera, direct to camera with a teleprompter, fancy camera, fancy lighting. If you really want to take your lighting up one extra step, sit in front of a window or buy a, a ring light. If you really want to improve the camera an extra step over your default computer webcam, buy something like an Elgato face cam. That's what I've got and I love it. It doesn't have to be fancy and Something that really breaks my heart is when I see people who are creating an online program of some kind for the first time. And the very first thing they do is they go and book a videographer and they spend, I don't know, 5,000 or 10,000, whatever a videographer costs these days to film an entire course. And they book this and they go and film the entire course before they've even validated that anybody wants the course. That is a great way to waste money. Let that first version be like the minimum viable product, right? It's not going to impact the results people get if it's professionally filmed versus you speaking over slides. And then over time, if people are getting results, if you're really confident with the product, it's selling, then you might look at, okay, let's go and refilm this entire course and we can improve the content because you're always going to improve the content as you go. That first recording is not going to be what it is the second time you run it, the third time you run it. It took me three rounds of Launch Magic. I taught it live the first two or three rounds. And only after that was I confident enough in the content that I thought, okay, let's go and record this now. Because once it's recorded, it's a pain in the butt to go through and re-record everything. So if you can teach it live, even better. 
Otherwise, make that recording really simple and then you can go back and make it more professional later on. Okay, question seven. Should I launch a micro offer before I have a full suite of offers? Do you really need a full suite of offers? This is something where I think we believe that we need to have lots of different products before people will spend lots of money with us and we can make lots of money. But here's a reminder, like in 2020, my business generated $750,000 just from one $197 product alone. That's not from any of my other products, just from one product. So I would recommend, and this can be a micro offer, it can be a a larger priced offer, whatever it is, it doesn't matter so much what the offer is as what kind of transformation, what kind of problem your audience needs solved first. But my recommendation would be pick one problem you can solve first, create a product that solves that problem and launch it a couple of times. Launch it once, get feedback, great. Teach people, take people through the content, launch it again, get feedback, take people through the content, launch it again. Okay, each time you launch it, it gets easier, but each time you launch it, you also have feedback now. You have feedback that allows you to tweak what's in it and make it an even better product and make the launch messaging even tighter, something that resonates more with the right people. Okay, question eight, how much money is needed to launch? Uh, pretty much zero dollars. Um, I guess it depends what technology you want to bring in. So I love using Kajabi. Kajabi is where I host all of my courses. It's where the checkout is. You can use it as an all-in-one for your business. Like you can literally build your entire website on there. If you already have a website built elsewhere, you can build your sales pages and your landing pages on Kajabi. You can use it as your email marketing tool. So you can build your email list and you can send them emails, the checkout system where they can pay for your course or your membership or whatever, and then your actual product that you are hosting in there. So you can do all of that on Kajabi. At the moment for the month of August, they have three months for $99, which is a real bargain. Uh, normally it's over $100 US a month, uh, which honestly, it's worth it. Uh, I Absolutely. I've not found another product that is as worth the price that Kajabi is. Um, but at the moment, you can get three months for $99. So three months is enough time to start growing that audience, set up the course, launch it, sell it. And then if you get people buying, great. You can keep that Kajabi subscription going because you've now brought in money. You've validated it. Now we launch again and we launch again. Um, so that's probably the main thing that you would need to spend money on. If you really wanted to grow your audience super fast, Facebook ads is a good place to start. TikTok ads, Twitter ads, all of the paid ads, Pinterest ads. Um, but those are not necessary. And I actually don't recommend spending money on ads if it's the first time you're launching because you haven't validated it yet. We don't know that the offer converts. We don't know your sales page converts. We don't know that any elements of your launch convert yet. Uh, other than that, you don't really need to spend much money to launch, if any. Um, you don't need to have a professional camera. You don't need to have a fancy microphone. As long as you have a functioning computer with a webcam, that's all you really need. Okay, question nine. Why do I wait until the last minute to organize my launch, even though I know I need a runway that's longer than four weeks? Yeah. We love to self-sabotage our launches. We really love to self-sabotage them because if we don't give it 100% of our effort, 
then when it doesn't go as planned or when it quote unquote fails, we can say, oh, well, I didn't give it a hundred percent anyway. So that's okay. It doesn't matter. Whereas if we give a hundred percent and it doesn't go to plan or it fails, then we might be a little bit, we might beat ourselves up a little bit or we might think like, what's wrong with me? I gave it everything I have. I'm not good enough. And we create all of these different stories about what it means about us. So we self-sabotage to stay in our comfort zone. The other reason you might self-sabotage is maybe you are uncomfortable teaching a large group of students, or maybe you are uncomfortable earning a chunk of money in one go. Uh, you might have money blocks around that, stories, beliefs around how much money it is safe for you to earn and how much money it is safe for you to hold. This is a huge, huge thing. It's more common than you would realize. So really getting to the core of like, where is this coming from? Why am I trying to stay comfortable? Why am I self-sabotaging? Um, because yeah, we, we self-sabotage to keep in our comfort zone. Anything that's outside of our comfort zone, our brain thinks like danger, danger, danger. This is unfamiliar, unfamiliar. Got to take me back to that comfort zone. And that's where we will procrastinate our launches. We will overcomplicate them. We will make it so much harder than it needs to be because we think, okay, this is out of my comfort zone. It could be blocks around money. It could be blocks around responsibility, being afraid of leading a large group of people. I know that for me has been quite a big one. Um, it could be blocks around what you believe is possible. Uh, it could be fear of success. That's a big one as well. So getting clear on that will be your ticket to uh, not leaving your launch to the last minute. Question 10. How do you decide between whether to create a course that's completely hands-off versus a coaching element where you provide support and weekly calls, etc.? This comes down to how much support and accountability your students need to achieve the result. And you might even you might even have like different versions in your business. You might have a course and a group program that both deliver the same result. The group program might be a smaller group of people where they get accountability and support from you, whereas the course might be completely self-paced. And then that allows them to self-select. So they can say, well, I know I need lots of support and handholding, so I'm going to choose the group program versus somebody who knows they're self-motivated, they can choose the course. Um, aside from that, it really depends on the actual result that you are delivering. So, for example, Launch Magic, because the result that they are working towards is a profitable launch, it's a major project in your business. It's a big project. And because of that, I know that my students need weekly calls at a minimum. So we have 15 Q&A calls over 12 weeks. And something we're bringing in in this next round is get it done sessions. So every two weeks for two hours, we jump on Zoom and we co-work on some part of our launches. This is accountability because it's really hard. It can get really demotivating when you're putting in a lot of work and the finish line does seem really far away. You need that support, that accountability to keep moving forward. Whereas if the course that I was creating was like how to make the perfect cup of coffee, um, I know, terrible example, but I have a cup of coffee in front of me. So I'm just using that as an example. If it was like how to make the perfect cup of coffee where it's a pretty quick win and, you know, they're not going to take, it's not going to require a lot of behavior change, a lot of mindset shifts, a lot of mindset muck, 
that comes up, then you probably could make that self-paced. That's why my A to Z podcast launch plan is self-paced because it doesn't really bring up a huge amount of mindset muck. It doesn't require a huge amount of behavior change. Um, it, but if somebody does want that hand, that hand holding, there are plenty of other, you know, masterminds and group programs out there where they can get that higher touch, but for a higher price point. So really figuring out what do your students need? And also, what do you want to provide? Uh, do you want to be teaching every, do you want to be doing live calls and lots of support? Because not everybody wants to. I've learned to love it. I, the first couple of times that I've taught things live, I didn't really love it. I felt really draining for me, but now I love it. I, every time I run Launch Magic, the community that come through are awesome. They are really cool people. And I actually, I think of it now as like, I get to hang out with these awesome people and help them move forward on their launches for an hour once or twice a week. Like that makes me so happy. So yeah, figuring out also what you want to do because you get to design your business and that's pretty fun. Question 11, how often do I speak about my product? How often should I speak about my product? Okay, this is, this really depends on how you are, what your strategy is with it. So if you've got something like Launch Magic where I open it twice a year, it runs for three months um, and they only ha- people only have seven days to buy twice a year. It's open, doors open, doors close. I don't really talk about Launch Magic that much other than when doors are open. I don't promote it actively. I might say, hey, go jump on the wait list if you want to. If it's something that um, you are interested in, we'll be opening up doors again in September. So I'll talk about that, but only really when it flows naturally with what I'm already talking about. Whereas my podcast launch plan, um, that one, sometimes I will share testimonials and things on social media. Uh, most of the emails that I sent my list in the footer, you'll see something like either take my free podcasting masterclass, which is an evergreen masterclass, or um, it'll say something like thinking about launching a podcast, you can get the podcast launch plan here. So I don't do a lot of active promotion, and I know this is something I could do a lot more of, uh, but you don't actually have to speak about it as much as you think you do to sell it. Um, now, even in a launch, when I'm launching Launch Magic, most of the time I'm not speaking about the product itself. I'm actually speaking about the things that people need to know to be ready to buy Launch Magic. So I'm actually overcoming those hesitations. So if somebody thinks, oh, my audience is too small to launch, then one of the things I might talk about is why you can still launch with a small audience. Question 12. How often do you create new products and stop selling old ones? I haven't created a new product in about six months or so, and I'm happy with that. And I don't actually have any intention to create a new product, at least for the rest of 2022. This might change in 2023. If I, as I identify new problems I can help people with, that for me is a trigger of, okay, cool. Can I create a product around this? As for stopping selling old ones, I haven't retired a course in a couple of years. I used to have a whole bunch of different marketing ones. I had a Facebook ads one. I had an Instagram one. And because of the nature of Facebook ads and because of the nature of Instagram, they change all the time, which meant that the course content needed updating all of the time. And I actually, I like keeping up with Facebook ads from the perspective of somebody who's running the ads. But for me to keep up with all of the changes happening in Facebook ads world, 
from the perspective of somebody who's teaching it to somebody else, that's a lot of extra work that I don't really want to do. I don't love Facebook ads enough to teach them, to keep up to date with everything. Same with Instagram. Like I actually really don't love Instagram and that was why I retired that course. So I only stop selling them if they're no longer relevant, if they are really out of date, or if I just don't want to sell them anymore. Uh, on the flip side, yeah, I create new products when there's a problem that needs solving. And when I have that space in my calendar and in my brain as well, uh, I think there's a lot of magic that can come from relaunching the same product over and over and over again. And like we're coming into the fourth launch or maybe the fifth launch of launch magic. I've lost count. This is, <laughs> this is what happens when you launch something multiple times, right? You end up losing count of how many times you've launched it. We're coming into the fifth launch of Launch Magic, which is crazy. I first launched it back in 2020. And each time now, I'm starting to notice there are more and more people who are joining the waitlist before doors open because they've heard about it from people who've been through it. They've heard about the results. They've heard me talking about it. And now they think, oh, I want to join next time. So because I'm launching this multiple times a year, I'm really getting more value, making a bigger impact with that one product than I potentially would if I was just creating all of these different products left, right, and center and putting them out there once and then not launching them again. Question 13, how can I stand out in a crowded marketplace? Well, you know what a lot of people don't do in crowded marketplaces? They don't solve specific problems for specific groups of people. Or if they do, they don't know how to articulate it. So getting really clear on that specific problem, specific group of people. So we, you might know this as niching down. Specificity is what niching down is. It's not about limiting the audience that you're selling to, but it's about being that right choice for a specific group of people. So if, for example, you are a digital marketer, there's a lot of digital marketers out there, right? There's a lot of social media marketers, but suddenly now you are, Hey, I'm a social media marketer for podcasters. If somebody is a podcaster, you become or automatically become more of an obvious choice for them than any one of the other just broad social media marketers that focus on every single aspect of social media marketing. So niching down, define who that specific group of people is uh, that you help. And the other thing to do is what is really get clear on what makes you different. Like why should somebody want to work with you? Why should somebody want to buy your course? Why should somebody want to sign up for your membership? rather than anybody else's. I am fully aware that Launch Magic isn't the only course about launching a digital product. I'm fully aware that the A to Z podcast launch plan isn't the only thing, the only product that will help you to launch a podcast. But both of them have a very clear, no-fluff, pure action uh, perspective for launching digital products and launching podcasts. The A to Z podcast launch plan is literally step by step. This is what you need to do to launch a podcast. Launch magic is like step by step. This is the strategy. This is what you need to do in your digital product launch. I don't teach all of the extra fluff. I'm not teaching you the, the why you need to do stuff. A lot of courses will spend a module or two teaching you exactly like why this is important, why you need to know the pro problem. No, like if you're signing up for Launch Magic, you probably already know why it's important your product solves a problem. So now let's figure out what that problem is and how you can articulate it in a way that makes people want to buy it.
so yes, yeah, stand out by knowing that specific group of people, that specific problem you solve, and why somebody should choose yours over somebody else's. And then being able to articulate that. Okay, question 14. Are there any free but legit platforms instead of Kajabi? I'm thinking of using Trello. So we created the podcast launch plan in Trello. Uh, and yeah, um, it's had its, it's had its ups and downs. There's been a lot of, as it, I never expected it to scale to the number of people that it has. And as a result, there have been a lot of people who have pirated it. They've passed it on to friends for free and we can't control that. Whereas with Kajabi, you can because people need to have that specific login to access the content. Um, so I actually don't know of any free but legit platforms other than Kajabi. Kajabi is honestly the only one I would really recommend. It is worth the price tag. It's an investment in the future of your business. It's $100 a month. I know that is a lot of money. But you will easily, with the right product, and if you get that messaging and that marketing and that launch right, you will easily make more than $100 a month with that digital product. Question 15. What do you do for social proof in the beginning if you've never sold the course before? Yeah, okay. Go and listen to the episode that I did with Kirsty Fanton, episode 502 on the 8th of June, 2022. Go back and listen to that episode because we talk a little bit about what kinds of social proof you can use aside from just testimonials. Some good ones that you can use are uh, case studies and testimonials from clients that you've worked with if it's a similar problem that you're solving or a similar transformation that you are delivering. Others might be your story, might be um, screenshots that you've received from people talking about how you know, consuming your content has changed their life. Uh, those kinds of things work really well. Obviously, the best kind of social proof is from people who have been through the course. So if you already have quite an engaged group of people, maybe you have past clients, uh, send them through the course first. Sell it to them first. In return, obviously charge, charge them for it because otherwise they won't value it and they won't take action. But send them through it at a lower price point in return for feedback and for a testimonial if they had a good experience. And then don't just ask them to write a testimonial. Jump on a Zoom call with them. Ask them some questions about their experience. Turn their answers into a testimonial. Then send the testimonial to them to review and approve. Because sometimes when you say to somebody, hey, write me a testimonial, even if they had a great experience, and actually often, especially when they've had a great experience, they have like a writer's block because they don't know how to convey a testimonial that's going to keep you happy. They don't want to let you down and they don't know how to write a testimonial. So help them by writing it for them by asking them the right questions. Question 16, how do you know if people will actually pay for your program or if there's already a ton of the same stuff out there and you won't be able to get traction? This is why I say launch it before you've created it or while you are creating it because you can tell while you're launching it, you will tell whether you are getting traction or not. You will tell if what you are saying is starting to resonate or whether people are just like, meh, I've already heard that a million times, not interested. You'll find that out when you start launching it. However, if you are in your little program creation cave and you're spending all this time creating it, but you're not actually doing anything to market it, 
it's going to be a long time before you get that feedback loop. It's going to be a long time before you start to understand whether people want it, whether the messaging resonates, whether the way you are talking about it resonates, whether the way you are teaching it is the right way to get them that transformation. So start launching it before you finish creating it, at least. Uh, but even better, launch it before you've created any of it. Question 17. How do you decide whether to just target your own country or go international? I'm in Australia as well. <laughs> Australia is quite a small market. And I think you'll realize this after a while if you just stick with Australia. You will realize Australia is a very small market. And as long as what you are teaching isn't specific to Australia. So, for example, if you were teaching like, I don't know, finance personal finance, then yeah, you, it would probably be restricted to people in Australia because our superannuation system and our banking system and everything's different to other countries. But if you are teaching something like launching, where it's applicable to anybody, no matter where they are in the world, then yeah, go international. Think big. Uh, and it might mean charging in US dollars, which by the way, I think it's a I, I'm a big fan of that because it makes it really simple for people to understand how much it's going to cost them. Uh, somebody from the US or somebody from the UK or wherever might not know what 500 Australian dollars is in their currency, but they probably know what 500 US dollars is. So targeting, you might start by targeting just Australia if that is where your audience is right now. Uh, then start with where you're at. But don't limit yourself to just Australia because you are afraid of what it might mean to go international or you are, um, you know, worried about time zones, that kind of thing. Time zones, you can overcome those. All of those other things can be overcome. Okay. Question 18. Can you pre-sell the course and build it as you go once people have actually bought it? Yes, I have done this several times. I did this with Launch Magic. I sold the first cohort. I sold a hundred spots, a hundred students, and before I'd even created the week one slides. And then I, I think I'd outlined the content for week one, but I hadn't created the slides yet. And then I taught that first week one lesson in a live Zoom call. And then I created the slides for week two, create, taught week two in a live Zoom call and so on for 12 weeks. It was a very full on 12 weeks. Absolutely. But it meant that I could finally stop procrastinating because I had been thinking about creating this course for so long. But every time I thought about creating a 12-week course, I was like, this is just so much overwhelm. This is so much to do. I can't do this. So creating it week by week gave me that deadline to get it done. And it, it broke it down. It made it seem a lot more manageable. And the times when I was so overwhelmed I wanted to give up, I actually had to keep going because I was accountable. I had these students that I needed to teach it to. And it stopped being so much about me and my like own overwhelm and my motivation. And it started being more about them and what I was teaching them and how I could help them. So yes, pre-sell the course, build it as you go. That's a great way to launch. Like that's probably the only way I would do it these days in my business. Um, it's just so much risk to put in all this time and energy into creating something before you know if anybody wants it. Question 19, does it need to be a live product? Like, do they need to attend meetings with me or can it be a passive product? 
purchase tutorials, etc. online with little involvement from me. It can be either of those. And I have both in my business. The A to Z podcast launch plan is a passive product. There is no support. There is no community because everything that's in the podcast launch plan is enough. Like there's no need for extra stuff. Uh, but on the flip side, Launch Magic has those live calls. It is a live product because I know that people are going through that launch, needing that community, needing that support, needing that accountability, that handholding, that somebody to answer their questions and just tell them what to do when they're feeling stuck. That's the difference. So no, it doesn't need to be a live product. Question 20. How long does it take to launch? I would generally recommend 60 to 90 days. 60 days only if you are already showing up regularly for your audience, already emailing them regularly, posting content somewhere regularly. That doesn't mean Instagram. It doesn't have to be social media. Uh, for me, regularly is three times a week on this podcast. For you, it might be once a week on a podcast. It might be once a week on YouTube, wherever you can show up consistently. So if you are already doing that and you already have an audience, then 60 days is good. Otherwise, if you need to grow your audience a bit, if you aren't already showing up consistently, sharing content consistently, then I would say 90 days for that first time that you are launching it. Subsequent launches, you can spend a little bit less time because you've already been posting that content, you've already been growing that audience, but that first one, 90 days. Question 21, where do host my digital product? Kajabi. Uh, for real though, like, uh, if you have a group program where it's all on Zoom and like the recordings or you can just share the Zoom link with the recordings, great. Do that on Zoom. But if you're running a course with modules and content or if you're running a membership where, with like, you know, recurring recordings that they need to access, Kajabi. It makes it so simple. It's the checkout system. It's the emails. It's everything in one go. And if you head to stephtaylor.co slash Kajabi at the moment, you will get three months for $99. That is only if you sign up during the month of August. And that's stephtaylor.co slash Kajabi. We'll chuck the link in the show notes as well. Question 22, how to write a sales page? Go back to the last episode. So episode 529 with Kate Toon. She is an award-winning digital marketer and a copywriting coach. She has written a lot of sales pages that have generated millions of dollars in revenue. So she and I were jamming in that episode a bit around like the strategy behind what to put in a sales page because it's not about being a clever writer. You know, usually clear writing is better than clever writing at any any point in time. Um, but it's about that strategy and that structure. And once you have that strategy and that structure to work in, writing it becomes a lot easier, even if you're not naturally a writer, if you're not naturally good at sales. I also include a framework for writing a sales page inside Launch Magic. Uh, we do that in around, I think it's week six or week seven, module six, module seven. I always forget. <laughs> um, but we have that framework in there because otherwise, you just end up staring at this blank Google Doc and you're like, what do I put in it? Um, and it pretty much becomes fill in the blanks because by the time you get to module six of Launch Magic, you've actually answered all of the questions. You've got all the messaging that just needs to go into that sales page. Question 23, how to host a webinar? Uh, firstly, pick a webinar hosting platform. I use Demio. I've also used Webinar Jam in the past, and I really like both of them. They're both great. 
you can use Zoom, but it does lack a little bit of functionality. Like you can't, um, you can't see who has shown, who's registered and then shown up live or not shown up. And the registration page isn't as nice as if you have like a little custom form that you can embed in your webinar registration page and have people sign up through that. So pick a platform, Demio, Web- Webinar Jam, both great. Then pick that topic. And there's a bit of an art and a science to it. I teach it in Launch Magic as well. Uh, basically, what you need to teach people to be ready to buy um, what problems they need to have solved before they'll be ready to solve the bigger problem that your product solves. That's what we really want to teach in that webinar. Um, and we don't want to teach too much because when you try to overload people with information, they actually end up retaining nothing. It's not that they hit a point and then stop retaining information beyond that point. It's that if you overload them, they retain none of what you've told them. And then they feel overwhelmed and it actually makes them feel less able to achieve what they want to achieve. So make sure that the topic's really um, clear, really uh, succinct. Don't overload them with information and yeah, create lots of slides to keep people engaged. Um, the more slides, the better. And enjoy, like let your personality shine through. It's You don't have to be professional. It doesn't have to be perfect. I stuff up all the time on webinars. I make mistakes on webinars. It's cool. It's part of like part of my brand is, hey, it's not perfect. Like be- done is better than perfect because done is what will get you the results. Perfect will just never happen. Uh, so yes, done, not perfect. <laughs> uh, question 24. What is the fastest way to build an audience and launch or can you launch without an audience? So that 90-day strategy of sharing that content that's going to get somebody to join your audience and be ready to buy when you open doors, that's probably going to be the fastest. Um, if you really want the fastest, throw a lot of money into ads and PR. For most of us, that's not really within the budget. That's not a feasible option. And even then, if you don't have the messaging and the strategy right, you're wasting your money. You can, you can put money, like paying paid ads and PR, they only amplify what's already going on. And if that messaging and that strategy isn't good, then it's like a le- pouring water into a leaky bathtub. You've heard that analogy, right? You're pouring that ad money into a leaky bathtub and it's not going to convert well. So I would always say like first launch, don't run ads and start posting that content, start showing up consistently. And that is where that audience will start to come from. Yes, you can start to launch, you can start that 90-day process without an audience, but if you're opening doors, if you're getting to that point where you're like, cool, my product's available, now I'd better go and look for those people to buy it, you've left it too late and you need to start that 90 days again. Question 25, how much of my launch can I outsource? Good question. I personally don't think you should be outsourcing much of your launch because you are the expert. You are the person who knows your audience best. You are the person who knows your content best. So you are the person who is best placed to work in your launch. Um, you're the best person to create that content, to engage with your audience. Having said that, though, there are things you can outsource. You can outsource the strategy to somebody like me. I do this in my launch VIP intensives, which is like a whole day of me working on any aspect of that launch strategy. I can, in a whole day, I can come up with a content calendar, outline a webinar, design a lead magnet, and 
tell you basically what emails to write. Um, I don't create the content. I don't write the emails because you are the expert. You know that content better than I can, but I can tell you what to do and design that strategy for you. So yes, you can outsource the strategy part of it. You can outsource um, the copy. That's always a great one. Like sales page and cart open emails are a great one to outsource, uh, especially if you don't consider yourself to be very good at writing. Uh, then outsourcing it to somebody who knows how to write sales copy can be really powerful. Other than that, I wouldn't outsource too much more. Um, at least in the, at the start. And you'll start to get an idea of what little bits and pieces like graphics you can outsource. You'll get an idea of like, oh, I can outsource my content editing, but you can't outsource the content creation. Uh, so yes, start by doing it yourself. And then as you go, you'll start to realize what bits you can start to outsource. Uh, I think the mistake here would be just blindly outsourcing all of it, just being like, I don't want to deal with this. Somebody else do it. That opens yourself up to getting ripped off. You don't know what to look for because you've never done it yourself. So you don't know what's good or what's not good. Um, so yes, don't just blindly like palm it off to other people. Um, I really like Jim Fortin has a really great quote that he says uh, about delegating. It's like delegate, don't abdicate. So like give other people things to do, but don't just like disappear. Don't just like throw it at them and then disappear. All right, there you have it. 25 of your questions about creating and launching digital products answered. This has been a long episode. Now, Doors to Launch Magic are opening up again in September, mid-September. If you want to hear a little bit more about that, head to stephtaylor.co slash magic. You can jump on the wait list over there. It is my 12-week program for launching your digital product. So it's not so much on the, this is how you create a course. It's, hey, this is how we find out if people are willing to pay money for it. This is how we grow your audience. This is how we get the messaging right. This is the content to share. This is how to write a sales page. And this is how to promote it. That's what we teach inside Launch Magic rather than, hey, this is how to create slides for your course. Because honestly, you can find that on Google. Like you don't need, you don't need somebody to teach you how to make slides. Um, so that's at stephtaylor.co slash magic. You can jump on the wait list there. I will have a fun little early bird offer available this time round. So make sure you are on the wait list. If you have any friends who are thinking about creating or launching a digital product, and who might have one of the questions I've answered in this episode, please share this episode with them. Hit the share button, copy the link and send it to them. And if you like this podcast, you're learning anything from it, please, I do really appreciate every single review that you leave for me in Apple Podcasts. I read all of them and it means a lot to me because this podcast is quite a bit of work and knowing that it's impacting real humans, that makes it completely worth it for me. So that is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time. 